This is Abnormal Entertainment. You're listening to the No Cry Zone, a progressive political podcast on the Abnormal Entertainment Network. Welcome to the No Cry Zone, your monthly dose of just straight, white, middle-aged opinion, I guess. You just don't get enough of that from a basement or a bunker. Straight, white, middle-aged opinion. Swamp. Well, there we go. Our new uh, yes, don't drain us. And uh, I am here with John and Rob, and uh, the world is still spinning. It's uh, on fire, but it's still spinning. Um, of course, uh, we're in the middle of the COVID nineteen pandemic. There are uh, some uh, racial tensions happening. What? The, uh, some uh, some uh, <laughs> peaceful protests in the wake of uh, George Floyd George Floyd's murder, um, as well as others. And some not so peaceful um, things happening after these protests have dispersed for the day. Uh, and in my favorite piece of news today, Steve King lost his primary in Iowa to be replaced by a slightly less big piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> the guy that beat King, named Steve, I think his name is, last name is Feenstrup. He ran to the right of King. He, his Basically, his campaign was that King was not enough of an ally to Trump. Right. And so my take on that is Steve King didn't get bounced because he was racist. He got bounced because he was too obviously racist. Right. He didn't know the right whistles and the code words, and he was just open in his racism. Yeah, it's you know it's tough to get everyone on your side when that dude keeps saying the secret words. Right. Steve! Stop it. They're all going to know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we know. So I like that when you say Steve King, you have to go, not that one. <laughs> Steve King lost his, well, not that Steve King. The other, the, this one lost his primary. And uh, that's, you know, I think there's some, some interesting things. Some interesting things. There is the, uh, oh, God, I already forgot. Um, she was just elected the first black mayor. In uh, Chicago? No, no, it was oh, yesterday. Black. In Missouri. Oh, oh. Yeah, and um, uh, riots two years ago. <laughs> oh, Ferguson. Ferguson. Oh, it's all blending together. Um, so we've got some some progress in that gay that that stance. Uh, it is just it's it's weird, man. It's some weird stuff going down from the top all the way down for everything else. And right. and first woman as well. Ella yeah. Jones is her name, uh, first black mayor and first woman mayor um, of Ferguson, Missouri. Congratulations, so, Ella. Yes. We need, we need more uh, women in charge, I think. Thank you for taking a shit job that you yeah. probably don't want. Because <laughs> well, who would want any of these jobs? The woman who uh, uh, got elected into Flint. She didn't have a very good time of things either, uh, so you never know. Um, when things are bad, sometimes you just can't fix it. Is uh, she officially now that woman from Ferguson? Uh, 
No, from Flint. I don't remember the Flint name. Oh, man, Ella Jones. Ella Jones. That woman from Ferguson. Yeah. Mayor Lightfoot's that woman from Chicago. (laughs) There's um, uh, many different things. So I want to talk to you guys a little bit today. Uh, And like I'm intimated, not so subtly in the beginning, we are a trio of middle-aged, white, straight men. What do you think we can do as an advocate for some of this change that's coming along that doesn't seem uh, disingenuous? Right. May I answer this one? Because I have had to answer this one this past week. You, you both yes, may Rob, answer this. Is more political engagement and learning what your representatives are actually representing. That is what we as the the middle-aged, dumb, white guy um, faction need to be doing and not just going in and clicking, you know, all Democrat, because there's other Democrats that are running and you might be giving it to the idiot Democrat. I am watching C-SPAN as we speak that we're doing a hearing. We have a lot of idiot Democrats. We don't need more. We need smart people who are articulate and can take a – a theatrical look at how these things are being done these days and either mimic or do better than um, the narratives that are coming out. So that is what I uh, am advocating for is more political activity from everyone. And so, so specifically in terms of race and inequality and us being the swamp. I think we have to openly call out the bullshit. And I think I think we all, as middle-aged white males, have to be less reluctant to tell someone, either to their face or online, that is fucking racist nonsense. And I think it's, you know, it's easy for us to just go, whatever, look the other way, or, or politely say, well, I don't see it that way. But, I mean, I just think it's more important now, more than ever to call it for what it is. And then honestly, I don't feel like I'm under any obligation, especially the people that are just out and out either ignorant or truly racist. I I don't feel under any obligation. I I don't have to educate them. I don't have to win an argument with them, but I can certainly just say, well, that's racist bullshit and move on. Now I'm not saying that's going to fix anything. Um, but I do think it's important. I think that if you listen, if you listen to the actual group Black Lives Matter, the Lansing chapter, you know, put out a, a Facebook message on Monday, and um, you know, listening to that 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 video is about fifteen minutes long, and it was very impassioned. It was the leader of the Lansing chapter, and you know, she talked about allyship and basically just saying, you know, hey, we we welcome allies, um, but you're not leading this parade <laughs> and uh, we, you know, we, we'd love your help. We, we love your assistance and your well wishes, but you know, this is not your fight um, in the sense of you, you can't, you can't dictate the direction of it. Um, so, I mean, I, I think it's, you know, it's, it's sort of trite, but I do think it's important for us to be allies. And one of the ways we can do that is to be openly uh, telling where appropriate to just say, no, I, I don't agree with that. And, and even just the simple phrase, Black Lives Matter, which is so imbued with 
political, you know, uh, connotations, you say, you know, especially where we live here in the red bubble of Michigan, you say Black Lives Matter, and you might as well just say ISIS to some people. <laughs> um, I mean, you. They, so, so I, mean, they, I mean, it's just the same group to them. Black Lives Matter is ISIS. It, they're just they're one and the same. And you know, when you're dealing with that attitude, you know, whatever, I, okay. But it's important to say it. And I and I I've been heartened. I'll say this: I have been heartened by seeing more and more people who are willing to say even just that simple phrase. And again, this isn't in and of itself going to fix anything, but I do think it's important to just say, hey, black lives do matter. I mean, I've seen the Howell Carnegie District Library make, put a post on Facebook about Black Lives Matter, and then they also made a post about books that white people should be looking to read to learn more about how they can help uh, people of color, you know? And, of course, they, you know, they, and they've gotten a lot of bullshit from, you know, residents for that, and they're like, fuck you, we're doing it. And, you know, that's been nice to see. I think more and more people and institutions need to step up and say, enough, this is nonsense. Yeah, I've seen a lot of statements out there. I think the, um, the, the hard part for uh, us, people of our ilk, is to step back and not try and lead this charge. Right. Because it's not, not, I mean, you can, you can, you can fight, but you're not, you're not the general in this. It's not your fight per se. Then that's going to sound horrible, but it's a, uh, uh, yeah. I'll just leave it at that before I bury myself anymore. Well, with that one. And and I think what we've seen in some of these, uh, uh, especially in like in Minneapolis and other places, some of the early places where we saw some violence, uh, you know, uh, looting and, and rioting. What we found out later, and even in Detroit, we found out, you know, that basically white people from the suburbs were coming in and, and doing, you know, protest uh, a tourism. Um, coming in, causing shit, and then, you know what, they get to get back in their car and drive home. Get on the freeway and drive back to their suburb. And leaving shit behind them, and they feel good. Oh, my white guilt is dissuaded. I, I got out there and yelled and, you know, I you know, stood on a barricade, and then I get to go home to my nice, safe community. Um and that's that's the kind of bullshit. I mean, uh, that's got to stop. And I mean, I've seen enough. I mean, I think you guys have seen too enough videos of, uh, you know, uh, black people telling white people, "Hey, calm down. What the, what the fuck are you doing? Calm down." Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, exactly. I think we need to just be. We need to assist. We need to be allies, and we need to step the fuck out of the way. Yeah, almost almost asking their generals what we can do, how we can be of service to their army, if you want to put it that way. I want to put out that the story still is being buried of the institutional side of this. And, and the it still is in all the news. We see the, the riots. We see the, the, the unrest. We see the, the smoke bombs coming out to bring out our tough guy president and make his way through the crowd. Um, all the while, no one is discussing how we got to this place. And there is a huge amount of history on the, the African-American side. But anymore, you can see those same narratives being played out on the middle class, you can see the, the, the increase of, of rents and food and not the increase of pay. You can see the, you know, the, the shares of the corporation making billions going all to the top of the corporation and none to the tax base. All of these things are governmental 
mandates and laws that have been passed over the years that people just were asleep through. I mean, they really were just asleep through all of this things that were are put in place now. And we're all still pointing fingers at the little guy when really you have to look up the ladder to figure out how we got to this point. And right now, the top of the ladder is Trump, who loves the division. He wants us divided because that helps his base be more powerful. So all of these things put together need to be talked about. I, I really do think that that is kind of the Ben Franklin. I always think of like Ben Franklin as that 50-year-old guy, you know, he could walk into a room and people knew his name and that alone got the conversation started. That is, I think, those type of things that need to be happening. You have to have a, a Jordan out there that's, you know, putting out press releases for voting rights. We have to have other people in office in our community to start this steamroller out. And then as our just like, you know, uh, there's lots of little groups that have popped up around the Bernie Sanders. All of those Bernie Sanders group ideas are very powerful. They're grassroots powerful. And and those are the type of things of, of getting legislation passed that can actually limit how much um, suffering there is, I guess. How much there is for all of us. Because you know, There is a big leap in there, though. So there's a there's a big leap because there we still haven't got the narrative down. I mean, you can look outside your window and anyone that walks by in this community doesn't believe that there is a problem or racial inequality, you know. And uh, that's in and I think it's dangerous to say that it's hitting the middle class the same way and it's all you know like to to, to lump all this in together and see because it it inordinately affects. Uh, people of color and it's it's a health and death thing and it's a life and, and and injury and things that we simply take for granted so when we're talking about this stuff in this community um i don't i don't have any hope i have none for a community like this where there's going to be any sort of change or or change of thought and i'm not going to try either because that's that's redundant i mean I I guess my point is more uh, smaller legislation. Maybe it's a it's a banking legislation that gets passed by a Democrat in this area that they were asleep through, and and it and it lasts for another hundred years, and it does help those type of things where it not only helps you know the people of color who have been you know uh, segregated uh, from banks from money from uh you know a fair share in our society even though that is the quote unquote american dream those are the type of things that need to be addressed from and i'm not saying for the middle class white guy but from a middle class white guy perspective in order to bring along as many people to basically the middle class faction of our society you want to bring people up the ladder as many as you can because then you become more powerful it's just like a union you want to have a big union to become a, a, a reckoning force that's so well, that's 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 way ahead we got to get people to believe that that people of color belong in the club sure you know and and so convince me why anything i do in this particular type of community would matter 
because you might um, unseat someone who doesn't have those views right now. And you might be able to spread that word to your friends uh, to maybe unseat another person who doesn't have that view. And it is a long-term goal because it is a long-term problem. This isn't a problem, you know, that was the quote that I heard from Spike Lee was like, this isn't new. You know, the, the only thing that's new is that white people care now. You know, that's the only well, thing that's new. So I want to expound on that and, and, and move forward. White, white people care for the time. Yeah. White people care for now. In two right. weeks, yeah, we'll move on to something else. Javier, I'll throw you one better. Spike Lee is right. White people do care now to some extent, um, but they still don't care here. <laughs> but convince right. me that right now, where I live, like, like I'm going to get enough votes to unseat somebody. Whatever. Even if I do, what? why don't we just, like, you know, follow a, a tweet and burn the place to the ground first? You know? It's, there's, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm incredibly jaded from what I see around me all the time over years and decades of a place like this. It's, there, there, there's spots like this all over the country. It's not exclusive to where we're at right now. But I don't see... Um, I don't see any uh, any way out of it, really. That's why we that's why we tend to focus on national and state level things, you know. I mean, at least I do because there's there's hope to change there. And maybe your history is tainting your view, though, David. There has been a, a large migration away from city centers out to here that may have differing views because they weren't brought up here. Well, not so, yet. You know, that's my that's a long term goal thing. Is, is oh, yeah, so let's take, we'll talk about long-term goals. So, so the decade that I've been back, almost, mm-hmm. it's gotten worse. And and in the decade you've been back, who's been the president for Foro? Um, well, who's you had, you who's know, been the president for the other you know, part of it that was a scary thing for this community as well? Not the point. Uh, I mean, whoever's president is the point. That, so it was – W before that, and Clinton before that, and it's it's progressively uh, the people that have moved here. I mean, this is not everybody, of course, but the the sentiment feels just as bad as it always has been, if not worse. And you know why why should I bother here? Why can't I just just cut bait? And this is what it is, and then focus on something that can be changed. Okay, what might that be then? I guess that's well, the at a state, things at a state level, things at state and national levels, of course. You know, um, I think uh, Governor Whitmer has done a great job coming off of the heels of Snyder. That was a distinct change. Um, you know, Alyssa Slotkin getting elected in this district was good. It had nothing to do with us, but in this district was a thing. And so, I mean, these are all, they're all positive things you can do. Just it's the local stuff that kills me, absolutely kills me. Every horrible, bad decision, um, the, the stupid things today regarding a peaceful protest and the agitators and this uh, piss poor excuse for a sheriff that, that, you know, picks and chooses what he feels like doing, you know, based on, you know, the temperament of the party, whatever, whatever. John, talk me off the ledge. Just jump. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm on it. No, no, no. I, I totally get you. You know, I was just, I just had my own rant. I know you find this hard to believe that I was ranting. Um, 
with my wife the other day because I was like, I just want to get the fuck out of here. I'm like, let's sell this place. Let's just go. I'm done. I've had it. I, I fucking hate. I hate this place. There's great people here. Don't get me wrong. I mean, we got great friends and there's some really, really great people here. But as a whole, this community blows. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what to say. I'm just, I'm like, I, I want to move to where are the brown and the gay people? Can I live there? Can I be if a refugee in their life? Yeah, if they'll have me, yes. Please. I'll, I'll apply for admission. That's fine. We're only yeah. taking three of you crackers in this week. You got to be cool. <laughs> but I mean, I say obviously that's hyperbole, yeah, you know. know. But but it's just it gets to be tiring when the the ongoing willful ignorance of people who. Are, are exactly what that phrase says. They are willfully ignorant. They're purposely remaining ignorant. It, out of a choice. It's not some environmental thing. Oh, they grew up and their parents didn't. No, they're choosing to be ignorant on these issues. When people in this day and age, in 2020, when white people are still saying all lives matter, I just want to say, shut. you know what? Your life doesn't matter. Shut the fuck up. I, I, just, I, can't, I just can't take that level of willful ignorance anymore. I just can't handle it. I just, I have no tolerance for it. All right, here's my Netflix. I got a gotcha question here, though. I got a gotcha question. It's like, if you you didn't have Netflix and saw all the shit on the screen browsed in front of you, you might not choose that show. And, And that show that you chose might be good or bad. You don't know until you watch it, right? Alyssa Slotkin, Alyssa Slotkin won here, right? She didn't win with just the Democratic votes. Do you think anybody would have voted for Alyssa Slotkin had she not had people out there describing her values to other humans? You know, you want to lump this whole community and all of Michigan and all the people in it all kind of in one big red group. And I don't really agree with that. Well, that's not what anyone said, though, Rob. are well, based let, on just, their experience. To your Slow specific... Hockey. No one said the entire state. Well, hold on, specifically though, but, but here. To, but All to right. Rob's specific point, but to your specific point, Rob, she didn't win Livingston County. She actually lost in Livingston County. The 8th District comprises all of Ingham, all of Livingston, and the north tier of Oakland. She won in Ingham County. She won in the urban area of Lansing and East Lansing. That's where she won. And in northern Oakland County, which is purplish. She lost in Livingston County. She actually, one of the reasons she managed to win the 8th District was that she managed to close the gap of losing in Livingston. <laughs> you know, where previous Democrats, you know, just got their ass handed to them. She managed to shave off some points there in Livingston and, and make it a little bit closer. But she still lost the county. So right, right. it literally is, when I say this community, it literally is the county boundaries. Because as we've talked about before, you know, you've got, You've got Ingham County to the west, you know, which has the Lansing area in it, and obviously some rural areas too, but, but, but relatively, uh, you know, uh, some more, uh, you know, urban type areas. You've got Genesee County to the north with Flint. You've got Washtenaw County to the south with Ann Arbor. And you've got Oakland County to the east, um, you know, where you've got, you know, from, you know, Novi to Farmington to, to you know, Ferndale, um, relatively progressive, moderate areas. So... 
when you, and when you look at the demographics of those four counties, they're relatively diverse. And then there's this island, this island of whiteness called Livingston County. And it's remained that way, even as the county has seen its population grow, even as it has seen a, a building boom, the population has re remained relatively non-diverse. And people move here on purpose. I know this because I've talked to them. They're my neighbors. Not my <laughs> literal neighbors, but I mean, you know, I, but, but people that I, you know, in neighborhoods where I've, because I've lived in two different places here. And, and I've talked to people that, oh, we wanted, oh, we knew we wanted to move out here. You know, it was getting a little too urban where we were, um, you know, is the polite phrase. And so they specifically moved to Livingston County. Its reputation is a calling card for folks um, to, to come get away from diversity, get away from it. Come here to this island of whiteness, and people do. Yes, so, you guys remember the, uh, the first Obama election when they showed the map of, and we were in Arizona at the time, and they showed the map of Michigan where it was all blue. And I was like, look, Right there, Sandy. <laughs> and it was the biggest, brightest dot of red <laughs> in the entire map. Like, that's where we're going. <laughs> I guess I got a little off track there. Uh, the, the point of it is, is that is political engagement. Is the people of Livingston County will never search out the opinions, the knowledge of that Alyssa Slotkin had, unless Alyssa Slotkin's people went out there and changed a few votes. Um, and she wouldn't have won had she not won Purple Oakland County. And, and Purple Oakland County can go either way. Um, all of those things add up to political activism. Um, and, and I do believe that is started right at home. I, I do think that that's where we're most comfortable doing it. Um, unless we're in a national election. But I, I, I just think that that is my, this is an institutional long-term problem. We have to have an institutional long-term set of goals. And I think that me and other people like me need to be talking about not falling asleep at the wheel and learning what these people say, how the F, does Steve King even get a job and then have a guy who's further right get a job after him? It, it's all because people are just like, oh, he's a Republican. I'm going to vote for him. They might not agree with all of the things that Steve King did. They might not even know what the hell he did. And that is the sleep at the wheel that we've given up our, our powers. Our, you know, the White House was just talking in the Judiciary Committee today all the powers that the Judiciary Committee is just given away just because we're asleep at the wheel and it's partisan and that's all we care about, Democrat or Republican. Good ideas are not discussed anymore. If there's a good idea from a Republican, I'm on board. And it's better than the, the Democrats, I'll, I'll vote for it. I have not heard that. I have not heard anything even regarding, even resembling empathy from the Republicans lately. So I don't really agree with anything that they say in the first place. But that's not to say that there might not be a guy from around here that is a Republican that has good ideas for this community and will further the race thing further than better than his far right counterpart. And if that's our choice that time, 
we need to be politically active for the guy who is is further to the left of the other right guy. And that's where we start, David, is we can't just we can't just throw our hands up in the air and say, I'm only voting for the, the bigger elections because that's all that matters anyway, because it doesn't. It starts at home. So I didn't say that either. Um, uh, voting in all the elections is is perfect. I'm saying why bother trying to change the minds of, of the rank and file in a place like this? Because it's not going to happen. You're an anomaly. You're, you're, there's, there's not going to be 10 of you even, you know, that are willing to do this. And there's there's a time like the like Steve King's district in Iowa. That's that who who's going to come in there and try and change minds. You know, I think I think we're best served leaving these pockets and having the people come to them that wish to be there and then work on other places. Hmm. Quite well, possible. Right. So, I was listening to a segregation argument earlier in the week and that's kind of basically the argument is 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 why don't we why don't we just segregate everyone? I'm, I'm a Republican. I go to Livingston County. I won't, don't want any darkies near, by me. I'm going to go to, you know, uh, outside of Lansing, and we're going to create our own weighty town. And we've tried that. We've tried it. it and, and what ends up happening is it, it turns into tribal warring nations. We're absolutely countries. living it. And if you can't get around like, – so segregate – you're – Calling it segregation um, is has a different connotation. This is by choice. These these people mass together by choice. You know, the people that move here for the sake of moving here to get away from that urbanization, that's a choice. Mm -hmm. You know, and um, it's uh, it's this self. And I'm going to say self fulfilling. It's actually not the proper term, but. Um, the way that this uh, the ideology here self perpetuates that's what I want um, and feeds itself it's you know people can be as active be as the biggest activist as you can look at Jordan Jordan Genso does yeoman work doing trying to do great things all the time and you know gets shut down look at Mona Shand who um, got people on her side until they found out she was a Democrat and then changed their minds simply because that's the way it is. It's uh, it's difficult. It's mm -hmm. difficult, and uh, you know, this is is there is there the possibility for change? Sure, of course. There's always the possibility for change, but but what's it going to take in a place like this? What's mm -hmm. it going to take in Iowa and Missouri? Time, New York. Yeah, that's my point. Is time and people hearing. The language, just like John's saying, you got to point it out. Hey, that's bullshit. That's one way. The other way is is introducing legislation that that they have to debate and they have to vote up and down on. You know, the, all of them wrap into one big thing. To me. And I, I guess that's just being part of a society and having individual rights. Is is you have to do it in a slow, methodical manner in order to win people over. You're not going to win over all of Livingston County in an election cycle. You might or in a hundred years. Yeah, maybe not in a hundred years. Maybe never. But you may have, let's put it in 1860s terminology. If you were that one guy at the lynching, you know, you may have with your argument 
change someone else's idea? Did he really steal that horse, sir? And and now there's two factions. Now there's two people talking to the boss. It, and it just goes on like that. It's a societal thing. We all have to be part of it, and we all have to be talking about it, and we all can't be scared of it. That's that's my thing. Being part of being scared is falling asleep at the political wheel. We fall asleep. Being scared, scared isn't part of it. Wasting my time is part of it. it, it I guess I was I was going to say I was going to say you know Rob. I mean, really, ultimately, your argument is the correct one. I re- I recognize that what you're saying is actually. It is the correct argument. It That's is the right just thing that to do, yeah. There is a, there's just a certain level of fatigue uh, that sets in. But, I, you know, where you just go, I just, I, I, like I said before, I cannot be responsible for someone else's willful ignorance. And, you know, when people are choosing to be ignorant and they're choosing to purposely not understand something, then I, I just, I have to disengage. I, there's nothing else to say to that person. But, I mean, like, yeah, things can change. I mean, I, I guess I didn't want to give the perspective, oh, nothing will ever change. It's just for me personally, I, I just, I, you know, I, I've, I'm just sort of tired of it. But you know what? Having said that, I guess that's a great segue to say, talk about my white privilege. Um, you know, I have the privilege to be fatigued, to go, oh, I'm just right. tired I'm tired of dealing with it. (laughs) You know, and I recognize that that's easy for me to say and, and to just go fuck this place. And that there are other people who don't have that luxury, don't have that privilege uh, to just go, ah, the hell with it and just retreat. Um, So, yeah, I guess, you know, that's certainly a, that's another phrase that has come to the forefront here in the last week. Um, You know, the whole notion of the, of white privilege and this other life that exists, this other existence in our country that most of us, or you know, a good portion of us, really have no idea what it's like. Have mm-hmm. no idea. And some of us think we do. We don't have any idea. And um, and then others just don't want to know. They don't even want to. They just want to pretend it doesn't exist. That there is this other existence that is going on. You know, and it's heartbreaking when you read some of the you know, the stories of, uh, you know, African-American parents and the things they have to tell their kids or, you know, how they have to behave and act. Um, you know, I was reading a story of a, a, a Harvard-trained doctor who uh, was getting, kept getting pulled over because he drove a nice car and uh, kept getting pulled over by the cops. And a, a police officer friend of his said, here's what you do, throw a teddy bear in the back window and throw a diaper bag in the back seat. And, you, you know, you'll change the dynamic. They'll say, oh, you're a family man. It just changes the whole notion of it. And you just go, how, I mean, it's, it seems like a little thing, but it's like, how pathetic is that? That without a teddy bear and a diaper bag, you, you know, you're a criminal with an, oh, just that whole perception changes. Mm-hmm. And so we go about our lives and we just, we are, we are privileged. The privilege, I guess, I mean, to me, the white privilege is, is that we get to be judged by the content of our character. And not by the color of our skin. And that is really our privilege. And it's a privilege that is denied to, to so many others. And it's been denied. And, and then we wonder why there's this rage. I mean, I'm, I'm surprised there, there isn't more rage and it hasn't been more violent, frankly. Yeah, that's the point I want to make. I got police officers in my family um, 
there's a white privilege that goes with that too, that you don't see that rage and they do every single night. They, they see the disrespect is a big thing for them. You walk up to them with respect and they'll at least feign respect at first, you know, and, and see what you're all about. They're human beings too. It's a one-on-one -on -one situation at that point. It's, you know, maybe you got a partner, but they maybe have five. And you're walking up to the situation that has been a long-term degradation of society for decades. And here they are, short man, in danger situations where they have to make life or death decisions. And, and on their side of it, they're calling us assholes too because we let this go on for so long, you know. We, we either didn't give them the proper policing training to squelch whatever uprisings were happening, or we didn't give them the funds, or the community didn't have the, the resources. It's just been a, a, basically a, a, a tightening of a noose to a many parts of America. Flint is one that comes, there's that whole series on Flint Town. There's times when they have 100 calls on the board, and two cars out fulfilling those hundred calls. And any one of those hundred calls, there could be somebody bleeding on the side of the road. They don't know. They try and prioritize, but you've got two cars running a hundred calls. That is, you know, it's amazing that those people aren't insane by now. Luckily, we still have the two cars. Now, that was probably 2014, and who knows what happened since then, but how does it get to that point? And that's through legislation. That's through well, here, regardless, regardless of that point. Um, so there's two cars. That's all anyone has. And legislation did it. And there's no funding or whatever the fuck happened. This is not a job where you can have a bad decision. It's a, you know, we can't have this be fine with a percentage of police officers just going out and making a bad decision. It's like having a pilot. You know, like 20% of our pilots fly in the mountains, but the other 80 are great. There's this, there's jobs out there that that don't allow for this, right? you know? And, and you know, um, if I'm not getting trained properly for something, I go and find it on my own. I mean, that's, that's what I need to do. If there's not enough funding, I advocate for funding. If I don't get it, I do what I can with what I have. And I understand that it's a dangerous job, and a lot of people do what they can with what they have. And there's under you know, funded populations. I'm also well aware of police personality and why police are hired. And I've been part of that hiring process. And people are hired that have a certain approach to life. And that certain approach is fundamentally off at times. You know, the police personality is a real thing. It's a quasi-military uh, organization that doesn't let outsiders in. Right. And there's, there's systemic issues with this. So, yeah, this is, you know, you don't have the funding – you know, lots of people don't have funding. Is it a dangerous job? It's an incredibly dangerous job. Are you allowed to make a mistake? God, I hope not, because it's not a job where mistakes are good. And then we look at people that not only um, – George, George Floyd was not a mistake. That's not a mistake. Approaching a black, you know, man in a car with your gun drawn differently than you would approach a white man in a car is not a mistake. That's an ideology. That's a belief system. And I don't give a fuck if you're undermanned or you're, un you're trained improperly. That's your belief system. 
That's how dudes get shot in cars. That's how uh, first responders get shot in their bed sleeping with that ideology. And there's no room. There's absolutely no room for it. And what, another, to bring it back into the, like, the local community, the amount of people that I run into, and then not on social media because I've called it to the point where it's just fun stuff for me at this point. I can't deal with arguing. This just live that, that think that that's perfectly okay. It's okay to have that. Oh, they're probably a criminal anyway. Cops just being safe. No, it's, it's, it's a thing. And it's, you know, I mean, sorry for the rant, but it's, this, this goes way beyond funding. This goes straight to the heart of police personality and why someone is hired. Well, and the unwritten rules of policing. Yeah, no, 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 for sure. And I, I, but I think you can tie, you can tie these things together. I mean, I think our in our popular imagination, we still are largely the pop. You know, in America, we still think of police as one Adam Twelve and Andy Griffith, and you know, and what we don't really think of is you know that a lot of times you're talking about a lot of and I, I, I realize these are sweeping generalizations. But, yeah, I know, me too. You know, but a lot of times you are dealing with people that are ex-military. Um, and they're coming into what has become a quasi-military organization. Police, you know, the whole notion of protecting and serving communities, it's quaint and it's painted on the side of the police car, but really, a lot of times that's just not true. I mean, some departments are better than others, obviously, mm-hmm. but largely these are quasi-military organizations, um, especially those police forces in areas where there's majority people of color. Um, I mean, they're built to dominate. Um, you know, and I, I, my brother had said something the other day and I just thought it was worth kind of repeating, talking about this issue. And he basically just said, um, you know, he said, you know, for local governments and taxpayers, you've got to start expecting more from local police. And I think that's what it is. We have to expect more from them, train them better, pay them better. Stop cheaping out and recruiting so many from the you know bottom of the barrel, uh, and and you know raise standards so that you can you can ask for a better caliber of officer, um, and you know get back to that serve and protect notion, um, and it really does go back to you know recruiting standards and what you expect and you know your style of policing and all of that does take funding. And that's where you got to go back to taxpayers and say, you know, you, you can't cheap out on this stuff. Um, you know, why are we buying tanks? Why? That is, you know, for, 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 for police, why does the Livingston County Sheriff's Department, they have a tactical vehicle. It's essentially an armored personnel carrier. I mean, it is an armored personnel carrier. Really? Why does the Livingston County Sheriff's Department have an armored personnel carrier. Now, I understand they can make a justification for that to say, oh, well, there's, you know, barricaded gunman situations and, you know, this is, you know, for the safety of everybody. But honestly, it just doesn't seem like the proper allocation of resources as opposed to how about we invest in a hostage negotiator? You know, how about we invest in some psychologists? How about we invest in some training? I don't know. I think we can change the culture of policing. It's just, it's going to require... It's it's not going to start from the top down. It's going to be a bottom up. We have to demand it, and we have to pay for it. But 
good luck with that, I guess. You know what's free? Internal accountability. 100% okay, free. And within, a, within police organizations. Accountability internally for things. Right. Not hushing things up, not making it quiet, not letting, you know, like a Klobuchar did <laughs> with just letting the, the, the bad cops, quote unquote, um, get away with things. Um, you know, this falls, there's, there's, I know there's really good police officers, but how good are they if they just turn a blind eye to what they see? You know, and this, this, right. this idea of internal uh, accountability, we have it everywhere. John, you can't go to work and flip somebody off and show someone your dick without, you know, getting in trouble because there's internal accountability. Oh, that's wrong. Fired. Well, well, technically that's wrong. Rob does has no internal accountability because he works for himself. He can fire himself, also give himself a raise for doing awful things. It just there's no internal accountability, and there's very little well, internal accountability in police organizations. Yeah, I mean, David, you said that I think it was you that said this the other day uh, about you know what other profession allows when you talk about bad apples. You know, we throw out this bad apple phrase. Well, there's always some bad apples. And you go, you never hear, you know, Airline Pilots Association go, well, there's always bad apples. You know, they're just going to crash planes in the mountains. What are you going to do? You know, or, you know, surgeon, well, there's bad apples. They're just going to, you know, shoot up heroin and then go do brain surgery. <laughs> no one, or become no, one no one uses that. No one uses that phrasing. It's, it, you know, for those, there's certain sectors that we demand like you said, internal accountability. We demand it. Um, and why we don't demand it of law enforcement. And I know that there's a lot of police officers, and you're right, there's a lot of great, I, you know, I'm friends with, you know, acquaintances probably better term, with a lot of people who are police officers, and they seem to be fine, outstanding people. But you're right. If they're not actively engaged in calling out the bullshit, then... I don't know. I mean, and I get the fear too. There's fear. There's fear of losing your job. There's fear of being ostracized. There's fear of, um, you know, the, the one, uh, uh, Louisville police officer, I believe that, uh, pulled her, her partner off of killing somebody and she was suspended. Right. And you know, this is, this is a thing. It's a real thing. And it goes back to police personality, uh, which is a standardized, there's a list of, I'll give you a forensic psych manual. There's, there's police personality checklists that you, you desire when you hire somebody. And uh, that and this, this idea that um, they're not accountable. Well, David, what would you say to them if, if the reason was it was a waste of my time? Oh, to them? The, yeah, for the police officer who's turning his back. He knows the systems yep. in police and he's saying it's, it's your argument back to you about why, why wouldn't you change your community? Apples and oranges. Uh, if I turn my back, then I'm not actively watching somebody die. Correct. But what, it, I mean, that would be his argument too, is, is this is already in place. I can't change it. I would just be wasting my time and putting myself in danger. I would say that's uh, actually against the law. If you held yourself to laws mm -hmm. and well, me turning me going, well, I'm done with Livingston County. Um, I'm just a horrible person that doesn't want to change. I'm not killing anybody or breaking a law, but well, holding mean, people to laws is, is the kind of the point. You know, I, I, I don't want to put it in the, in the form of some type of killing, but there's racial things that happen here in our force. And 
for him to intervene would be his waste of time, and it didn't kill anybody. And it but was, it, it's still against the law, though, isn't it? Well, I, I, laws are are upheld by the police officers, are they not? That's you my know, point. They get to pick and choose which ones they want to uphold in most points. See, me being pissed off and not wanting to run for some shit office locally is wholly different than some cop ignoring his duty that he's sworn to do. No, I, I, I don't want to go back. I, I, it was just, you know, that, that, that same mentality, I think, is involved there. Is There is a huge, you know, systematic, just like you said, you're, they're looking for a certain type. I don't know if they've always looked for that certain type. I, oh, would, yeah. say, I would say maybe uh, it has changed it, throughout time. Well, we need a stronger force, and we need people who can work these tactical weapons, so we're looking for this new force. Well, um, it's, 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 it's been a good change for the worse is what I'm saying, and they can change to the better as well. Well, the, yeah, there can be change. I mean, there, I mean, uh, you're absolutely right. Uh, there could be change here, and I probably should advocate for it, but I'm sick and fucking tired. Yeah. And uh, what the cops, uh, you know, the police out there, they should be advocating for change within their own ranks because they should be sick and fucking tired of all this stuff. But there's also a bunch of things in the play here. Um, the the police personality, you want someone that is okay with that kind of power. And we know what happens when you give someone power that's not ready for it. They abuse it. It's right. really a thing. We have, we have told our children for 100 years that that's a safe person. That's a person you should go up and talk to. They're a helper. Mm -hmm. Rogers, that's a helper. Go to that helper. And then we just lied to every child of color. Because the chances are about 50-50 that that's a helper. Maybe not. Maybe he's going to kneel on your dad's neck. Maybe. Maybe um, you know they're going to try and put a pallet of bricks out to, to get people to, to start something so they can shoot them with bullets. Maybe they're going to take a, listen to the unlawful order from the president to disperse peaceful people. Well, you know, interestingly enough, on this topic, um, I mean, before all this shit went down, um, I think it was in the San Francisco area, there was a uh, very progressive prosecutor that took office, I think, in 2018. And he came in and he immediately has changed the entire structure, you know. I, and, and, and so he's changed the entire model because, like, you brought up Amy Klobuchar before was a prosecutor in Hennepin County and had let uh, that, that very officer, Officer Chauvin, off the hook um, for a previous incident that was clearly, you know, should be looked into and probably sank her VP possibilities, which is a good thing. Um, <laughs> you know, so, uh, but I think a lot of times, even when you have, yes, we have to improve the caliber of police officer for sure. But I also think part of that process has to be you've got people in key positions who are way too close to law enforcement. They see themselves as allied with the police and not that they should be adversaries of the police, but instead of seeing themselves as a separate but equal branch of municipal government. If I'm a prosecutor, my job is to faithfully, you know, make sure that the law, you know, that, that, that cases are prosecuted and not to be, you know, the police are on my side, but I think in most jurisdictions, you will see prosecutors and police lined up very closely. 
Um, they work together in a natural sense, sure, but there's no professional distance there. Um, and we, we need to see way more of that because I think that police officers would think twice. I just think that in a lot of instances, they know that really at the end of the day, they got their back because the laws are written in their favor. Anyway, all they have to do, they don't have to actually be in any physical danger. They just have to feel that they're in physical danger. Most of the time, most state and municipal laws allow police officers to just say, I felt that my life was in danger. Therefore my actions were justified. I don't have to, I don't have to demonstrate that my life was in danger. I just have to feel that it was in danger. And it's so ambiguous that I think, you know, officers kind of know they have a wide latitude. And I know that there's a lot of police officers that would say, Hey man, you know, you get your fat ass off your couch and you go police these frickin' streets, asshole. And I, and I get it. And if they did, you know, yeah, I, I would totally understand their anger on that. But at the same time, I mean, we are entrusting you with a great responsibility and there has to be, there has to be accountability. And I think a lot of times it's the prosecutor's office is a great place to target because prosecutors almost always are elected. Um, and it's one of those offices that's on the second side of the ballot. It's a down ballot position. So a lot of people don't pay attention to it. And I think in that San Francisco race that I mentioned before is if I'm remembering correctly, it was a kind of, he kind of got in there and, you know, people didn't realize what a, uh, activist he was, you know, and, and he got in there and was like, you know, hello. And he completely changed like all the bail. He said, why are we locking people up for property crimes or, or financial crimes? That's bullshit. You know, they're going out on bail. And there's no, there's no reason for us to lock people up because they can't pay a fine. You know, we're not doing that. And, um, and most of the time you got people that are in, in a lot of these institutions who they're basic. When you start doing things like that, they're like, whoa, their, their only, their only defense is, oh, that's, that's not the way we've done it. You know, like, yeah, I know <laughs> that's the problem. Um, so it's, you know, I, I think that there are some things that can be done you know, the activism can work. I mean, I was thinking about saying this the other day and I, and I didn't uh, only because I didn't want to diminish the street action that was taking place across the country. But to me, it is still true to say the most radical weapon that we have is a ballot. It is the most radical weapon that we have. It's not a gun. It's not a bomb. It is the ballot. And that's why they try and suppress, you know, voting um, because we can put the people we want in charge and they, they could be in a place of position to make a difference. I mean, just look at what happened in Michigan in 2018. The entire executive branch got swept by Democratic women. And thank God it did. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, you know, we, we definitely need to expect better from police officers, but we have to we have to make that happen. We can't just say, hey, that needs to be better and then not do anything about it. Um, we have to elect people to make that happen. Um, but that's a lot of activism. Yeah. It's similar in fact, and a lot of support. Sometimes works. In places. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Some places are more amenable to activism than others. They are. They are. And, you know, I mean, this, like, I, I don't want that to come across as, like, an, an anti-cop rant because it's not. Because I still trust these individuals with a great deal, the safety of my family and myself, you know? 
um, the, what they signed up for. That's the, that's the job. And all I ask is that same trust that I give and the same trust that the black family down the street gives, we're just treated in the same manner and we're not. And it's, 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 uh, it's these unwritten rules and laws and, and just weirdness that, that does that. And we get back to the idea that, you know, it's, it's this, it's a very insular group that doesn't let outsiders in and uh, doesn't hold themselves accountable. And I think that needs to happen. You know, uh, law and order was a lie because those prosecutors were always taking cops to task. And I don't think that's, that's quite accurate. Dick Wolf lied. <laughs> it was New York though. We, we know for a fact that it didn't happen then. Because, you know, the, the governor of New York's calling out the police chief. <laughs> what? And the mayor, what? Too, and the mayor yeah. And so, I mean, we're left with these ideas. And, yeah, it, you know, yeah, it's probably socially irresponsible that I'm really pissed off locally. And I don't want to do shit. Yeah, probably. Um, but still, that cop that I'm paying, and you're paying, and John's paying, so there's there's still this this the the social contract that um, police violate a lot of times, and so you know what do we change? You know, um, would it be the it would be the case locally? We'd have to act a, you know become activists and elect a new sheriff and uh, new uh, prosecutors, and you're both looking at me like that's something that's not going to happen. Well, no, no, I'm not saying that at all. Uh, uh, it, it might even just be talking to the, I'm thinking it won't. the one that's there. You know, you might get the meeting, David, being an educator, being someone of the community. You might get the meeting with the guy who is currently there to just open up his eyes about something that he is unknowledgeable about. Here's and the separate activism. And if it isn't him, if he won't take your meeting, There'll probably be another Republican that will, you know, come and take his place in our town. And maybe that guy will take your meeting. That's what that's kind of the activism. It's not just a complete changeover. It is an opening of the eyes to knowledge that they might not have had. You know, and I've had the meetings. There's been I mean, this is this is the sad part about it. Um, multiple people have had those meetings. Sure. And it just it just it just, you know, just pisses me off to no end, over yeah. and over again. Yeah, my anger is not breeding action. My anger is breeding turn on Amazon Prime. All right, uh, we're getting close to the end here. We, we might not be. I don't know. We started a little late, but uh, I kind of wanted to switch over to uh, your ideas about what the Senate Republicans are doing right now, uh, uh, currently over. But uh, Lindsey Graham and the Judiciary Committee today brought in Rod Rosenstein to litigate the um, origination of the crossfire hurricane operation and the Mueller report. Um, And the Republicans, uh, their whole claim is that there was no there there. Um, And uh, the Mueller report basically says, you know, we found all this stuff without these other little peripheral things and we had good reason to start this because Russia is our adversary. Um, Do you, number one, think that 
the predication of the investigation uh, of Carter Page, which is the big one, um, matters. How they got to the point of getting the paperwork through to figure out the Russians were attacking us. And number two, would it taint your opinion if you found out that there was some foul play that went on to get that Carter Page basically investigation? Because they obviously thought there was something there and they kept on asking for more and more wiretaps and they didn't get anything out. All right. So my take on that is this. Well, first of all, my answer to does it matter or was there something there? I just go two words, Paul Manafort. Yeah. I mean, you look everything about Paul Manafort says, yes, <laughs> there was something there. Um, there, there. This was not, uh, you know, let's generate a case out of nothing in political that nonsense. I just I think that's I think the evidence shows otherwise. Now, did people make some jurisdictional errors and probably paperwork errors and some administrative errors? Yeah, probably they did. And maybe they weren't so innocent as that. Maybe some people did make some shortcuts that they shouldn't have done. Um, that doesn't change the ultimate uh, you know, issue here in that. And there's just, there's just an overwhelming amount of evidence that shows there was communication between the Trump campaign and the Russian government. There just was. And you can, they can finagle whether Carter Page did this or that on this date or that date. At the end of the day, we know that there was communication between these two. And if that's not a concern, if the FBI and the White House wouldn't, had no concern that a foreign government, especially one that's an adversary like Russia, is making inroads into a national presidential campaign, then I don't know what the hell we even have an FBI or a Justice Department for. Why bother? Um, now, for those folks, what I find interesting for the Lindsey Grahams and all the rest of those who are outraged at this, I say, oh, you want to have a conversation? You want to have a conversation about reforming the Justice Department and the FISA court and national security? You want to have that conversation? I would love to have that conversation. Let's make that a national conversation where we get into the ins and outs of national security bullshit in this country. And um, let's open the doors and let's talk about it. But it cannot be, we only care about this when it's against us. And when it's not, then we're more than happy to violate the constitutional rights of Americans on a daily basis when it suits our purposes to go after those, you know, quote unquote terrorists. Um, but when it's against one of us, when it's against a Republican or one of ours, then suddenly it's this holy, you know, it's the deep state nonsense. So I, I just, yeah, there were some errors that were made and sure there should, I mean, when you listen to the watchdogs, I mean, you know, before they were fired, uh, I mean, they, they definitely, said that there were some errors that were made, but I just, I don't think you can make the case that there was nothing there. Um, and that somehow, because there was some error made at the beginning, everything else has to get tossed out. I just, I don't, I don't buy it myself. I just think they're trying to, I think it also still just shows, this is like Trump arguing about the size of his inauguration crowd the day after. It's like, who the, f oh, shut the fuck up. 
the country is on fire and this is what your 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 preening ego still is de- is demanding that somehow this whole thing be swept away when it never will be it never will be this association between trump and russia will be there for all time and they can play all these games they want it won't change a thing but that's my my point i don't know if i really address what you're talking about rob nope actually perfectly you answered both questions i agree with john a lot especially the final part we caught me on the wrong day and my wrong attitude and uh, none of it, it, it all matters, and none of it fucking matters at all because no <laughs> one's going to care until we flip the Senate. Right. It doesn't matter. It's all, it's all pomp. It, it, it's, it's theater right now, and it's stupid theater that's trying to draw attention away from things that really fucking matter, like dead right. people and, you know, uh, the, the lack of civil liberties and a fucking pandemic that's still raging. And, you know, the shithead in the, in the White House. And, you know, all of it is enabled by these assholes that live around us. So there we go. Yeah! I'm done. Today. I'll, come, I'll be different tomorrow. David's tired today. I'm glad today I'm cranky, man. I, w- I mean, I woke up on the wrong side of the Constitution today. And it just, it's pissing me off. <laughs> Don't watch C-SPAN. No, God, no. We gotta get rid of worse. Yeah, we gotta get rid of them. Feinstein has to go. She spent 20 minutes talking like a a dead person about the most tintillating investigation in of our times, and here we have Diane Feinstein describing it. It was just awful. It was gut wrenching. I wanted to jump into the TV and just for her. You know, it's funny because. A lot of that is these folks, Feinstein, Trump, and, and, and Biden, and Lay, so fucking old. Oh, my God. Go already. You talk about an institution that is in need of some fresh blood. Um, I, I just sometimes I think even people that are good, they've outstayed their usefulness. Um, you know, there's just times when you just see how old our leadership is. Right. Um, and priorities are based in a different era that just doesn't exist anymore. Um, and, and I don't know. And, and you can see that they're playing just- seniority games too. Like the, <laughs> the, the underlings get to ask the boring questions and these old farts that can't talk and don't do it theatrically right after Lindsey Graham goes up there with his mint julep. All of these people, they demand that they get the spotlight with the, you know, the big gotcha questions and they don't hit the gotcha button. Like, you got to give it to the young people who can, you know, go gotcha in you know, real life. Not, oh, no, I, I mean, some of the most, some of the most pointed questions back, you know, during the whole uh, uh, Mueller report and then the, you know, uh, the uh, um, impeachment hearings. You know, some of the best questions were from Rashida Tlaib or from AOC, who were young, dynamic, and angry, and were asking the. um, And and then you're right, and then the seniority would get to the the people in Syria that it was their turn to ask the real tough questions, and they would flub it every time, and you're like, oh my god, where is the angry brown person, please? (laughs) So it's like they, you know. 
once again, I think the youth of the nation has to stand up and we need to give them support and we need to be however you want to be, David, politically active. Maybe it's not here, but be active somewhere. I'll oh, end up being active here. Just these fucking people. I know. Take a break. <laughs> you can go. To, you can go somewhere else. I don't know. Kazu or but something. It, it is going to be about. It's going to be about. It's going to be about youth getting out and voting. I mean, yeah. we've, we've talked about that over and over and over again. You know, you think about. You go back. Everyone likes to compare this to the 1960s, and specifically 1968. And you look back, and you think, okay, 1967 was the summer of love, and then 68. You know, you have the the, the Chicago riots and. And, uh, you know, obviously, you know, the assassinations of JFK and MLK and I mean, I'm sorry, uh, Robert Kennedy and, and, and Martin Luther King. And, you know, what a tumultuous year that was. And and it was this youth and the youth were so angry. And yet 68 is the year that Nixon gets elected because he rides yeah. in. He rides in on he was able to turn that into fear and then ride that to the White House. And um you know, now it should be noted at that point you had to be 21 to vote. The uh, constitutional amendment hadn't gone through to make it 18. Um, but as we've seen time and time again, the youth vote cannot. The youth, 18 to 24, I think, is the most unreliable voting block out yeah. there. And that's she ain't gonna change until those folks vote. It's like get registered and fucking. It's never been easier to register, especially in Michigan. Just fucking vote. God, they're mailing you responsible for two of them. You're held responsible for two of them, John. Yes, I know. Believe me. Get them out there. I I kind of care who they vote for, too. So make sure they're doing the right one. <laughs> so, well, yeah. I thought we were doing good when we were surviving just the pandemic. Um, but yeah. little did we know what our, our wonderful federal government had in store for us. Um, and I wish you luck <laughs> in your endeavors. How do you, how do you feel being that cop yeah. that killed George Floyd? Uh, I think he is uh, um, hurting for certain. The reports are that he's on suicide watch, but how do you live with this? Yeah, the whole world well, erupts. I mean, it's not even just America anymore. I mean, there's 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 protests all over the world now. Yeah, I mean, the fucking Liverpool Soccer Club yeah. did a kneel down. Who are a goddamn Jesus. bunch of thugs? Yeah. Yeah. Some thugs. Like, holy <laughs> hell! They're taking the Liverpool. Um, yeah, I know. It, did you have you watched that video? Video. It's like you know, but on. Uh, of them murdering, uh, you know, George Floyd. And the thing is, is, I mean, I, we've heard it described, it's, and you certainly read about it described in, in newspapers and things like that. But um, when you watch it, I guess I just, I, I don't know what is in that man's head. I just don't know. It he looks just, like Lee. It, it does, he does have that sense. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that, that there is that sense of like he's enjoying it you know, the power trip of it. Um, and I, I think they also have to investigate. I mean, I saw a report earlier that him and uh, the officer and George Floyd, they both worked uh, part-time security in the nightclub. Yeah. Um, and so you have to wonder, like, was there something personal? I don't know. But you watch that. And, and I guess the thing is, is 
Officer Chauvin is not the real problem. He is, obviously, it was his knee on the guy's neck. It's those other three fucking cops that bugged the shit up, which they finally charged today. Yeah. Um, which is about time. But it's those other three cops who just stand there. And even when people are right there and they've got their phones out in full view, he knows he's being videotaped. All four of those cops know they're being videotaped. You've got people exhorting them, get off it, you're killing him, get off his neck. The EMT guy even comes up and says, dude, move. And he's like, no, not, no. And you just go, what, what, where, what world do you live in that bystanders and fellow first responders cannot get you to move your fucking knee off a man's neck while he's saying an insular word of your world of your own where the laws that the normal human beings live by don't apply to you. And that's in lots of different departments all over the place. Those three cops standing and sitting there standing guard. Imagine that they're not there. Imagine they're just the clerical guys that are ignoring a bunch of evidence that come through. It's the same thing. Right. This, how many American citizens have to die, you know, mostly of color before we actually wake up in, and when will the good cops, the really, the good ones that are out there that are really good people. When, when do they break rank? Well, they end up like Serpico and they get shot in the eye. (laughs) Serpico. They end up like Serpico. (laughs) All right. My reference might be slightly dated. But, you know, you were talking earlier about all these incredibly old people that are dragging us down. I'm I'm welcoming <laughs> you in with them. Trump, yeah, Biden, I I plead guilty. King. Charged. <laughs> Serpico. All right, look, I gotta go. Matlock's on. Yeah, Not go watch nice. Serpico on Beta. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, hopefully, when we uh, adjourn again in another month, uh, we'll be in a better world. I'll be in a better mood. I'm just over it right now. Hate All right, dude. Have a mimosa. Yeah, it's a brown <laughs> ale time for me. All right. See you, boys. Bye, guys. All right, we'll see you. This song is called Baby Don't You Cry. Thank you.
Find more episodes of the No Cry Zone at thenocryzone.com. Tweet Rob, John, and Dave at No Cry Zone. And find the No Cry Zone on Facebook. Listen to every Abnormal Entertainment show on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, our YouTube channel, or anywhere you find your favorite podcasts. And don't forget to visit abnormalentertainment.com. You've been listening to the Abnormal Entertainment Network.